Welcome to my podcast, Musings of a Christian Philosopher, where we talk about deep and often challenging topics of theology and philosophy. I'm your host, Adam Polstra. Let's get started. Good day, everyone. I've been thinking over the last, well, really quite a while, probably about a week, on the issue of attaining confidence. How is it that one goes about getting there? The reason why is I'm on the website called Quora. uh, This is a place where you can basically ask questions just to the internet in general and be responded to. And it's an interesting website to be in. And of course, a lot of people have no idea what they're talking about, but they like to apparently, you know, just chat anyway. And some people have pretty competent answers. But whatever the case, I try to put in my two cents and sometimes seems like it's appreciated. And while you do select the topics that you want to get questions about, the fact of the matter is, it is incredible to me how many people are asking the question, how can I become confident? How can I instill confidence in my children? How is is it that I can develop self-esteem? Why is it that I am so low on myself? Etc., etc. And... A lot of the issues around that have been talked about previously in my podcast. For example, the idea that humility is this idea of self-deprecation. And if that is the case among many morally-minded people, it's no wonder that they don't feel very confident or high in self-esteem. Because they have considered it moral, they have considered it a, quote, good thing, to literally put themselves down, to make themselves or to view themselves in their own eyes as essentially dirt, or something like that. So quite obviously that produces a part of it, but what is it that people are failing to grasp in today's world? And the more that I have thought about the issue of confidence and the lack thereof, the fact that so many people seem to have such trouble attaining it, I have realized that there are tiers of confidence. So let's go to the first level, uh, the lowest level, of course, first, and I'll talk about why, first of all, people can't really seem to attain it, and secondly, how it comes about, what it really is. So on the first level, there is simply the issue of competence, the ability to to do a skill, to carry out a task. Quite plainly, if you are able and you know that you are able to do something, Maybe play the piano, maybe fix a heating and air conditioning unit, or something like that, or HVAC unit is the acronym. Anyway, if you are able and you know that you are able, then you are going to come across as at least confident in that field. Now, of course, you might not have confidence when it comes to a problem that you haven't dealt with or an area where your expertise is not present. But whatever the case, if you know that you are able to do a particular task, then by definition, you know that you're able to do it. And competence training is one of these things that is missing a great deal in our generation. I've talked in previous podcasts about the fact that parents, to a large extent, have essentially left behind, forgotten, or never learned about the idea of tutoring their own children. They might try to teach them some values. They might send them to school and church. 
but they don't really teach them any of the things that they themselves know. They don't pass down values directly. They kind of leave it to other people. And while trade schools are growing in popularity, the popular opinion about competence these days, or at least the uh, some idea of attaining what they think is competence, is things like going to college or uh, university, seminary, that sort of thing. And very rarely do those places actually teach competence. They typically teach ways of thinking or historical ideas, etc. I don't really know in great detail because I haven't really walked in those circles and I don't intend to. But one, one thing that has become painfully obvious is that competence or even civics is one thing that colleges, universities, and seminaries do not teach. So on that level, it is quite plain that a lot of people do not feel confident. Why? Because they're not competent. They don't know how to do much. It's amazing even to see how few people know how to do simple things like cooking, sewing, knitting, or in some cases even cleaning. They're not competent in keeping a clean household, which can be very clearly seen when they move out on their own. Is it any wonder then that a lot of people do not feel very confident? So on this tier, on this level, confidence is not just competence, it is competence and knowing that you are competent in an area. Now, of course, if you also, and this is going into the higher tiers, but if you are also confident in your own self, then when it comes to areas where your competence falls off, you're not going to lose your brains. You're not going to lose your wits because you can simply go, well, I'm not too good in this area, but I know somebody else who is, or maybe I can help you find the information, but I don't really know it myself, or I don't know how to do this myself. That can be perfectly fine if you have the higher tiers of confidence, so let's talk a little bit about that. So at a higher tier of confidence, what I call it is being well-grounded in reality. And this comes to the more personal level of confidence. So what I mean by this is finding you yourself, or sorry, knowing you yourself well enough and knowing reality well enough so that your feet are on the ground of reality. See, if you believed, for example, that gravity is variable, that sometimes it's in effect and sometimes it isn't, Clearly, you would be fairly nervous in the real world about even taking a large step downhill or maybe jumping. Some, suddenly, you might fly off into the sky. Suddenly, you might float instead of hit the ground, and then you might lose your <laughs> straight-up posture and face plant once gravity decides to come back into effect. What I'm trying to get at here. Well, let me use a, diff a different but similar analogy. Well, analogy in a different field. If you believed that mathematics was not a certainty, then why would you believe that so long as nothing has happened, such as a thief invading or some sort of fraud, that the money you have in the bank will remain the same tomorrow as it is today, provided you haven't done anything with it? It might today be 500, tomorrow be 5,000, and the next day be $5.
And if you believed that mathematics is variable, that it is not ironclad, then the fact of the matter is that wouldn't go outside of your expectations, but you certainly wouldn't have very much confidence in your own ability to stably make money. Now, of course, in the real world, what probably is happening is some sort of shenanigans. But if you did not, again, believe fundamentally that mathematics is sound, then why would you even bother trying to make money in the first place? The moment anything unexpected happened in your bank account or your wallet, you would simply be reinforced in not wanting to bother with money anyway or for that matter, anything involving mathematics. My point is, if you do not have a grasp of reality and yourself in that reality, you don't really have much reason to engage in it. And this is another thing that our society today feeds, and feeds to a great extent. Many of us know of the documentary, though some may dislike it a great deal, What is a Woman? The fact of the matter is, we are having to ask this question today. It wasn't even a few decades ago that this was a very ironclad fact and everybody knew what the answer was. Now, if you want a really solid answer on that particular question, I know it's a digression, but I'll say it really quickly. I mentioned it in a very, very recent podcast also. It is simply the presence or absence of a Y chromosome. Now, there are certain kinds of mutations and differences where people have XXY or something like that. But generally speaking, when the two sexes that we, that we know generally are involved, the absence or presence of a Y chromosome determines the difference between a male or a female, a man or a woman. But anyways, going into the cultural side of things and transgenderism, homosexuality, etc., etc., not so much homosexuality, but you get where I'm going at, the LBGT alphabet soup community. The, que the simple question, what is a woman, is being raised. Or how about the fact that Jordan Peterson and another and a philosopher were not long ago having a debate on the question of what is reality? Apparently, this is an open question. And for a great deal of my listeners, they may feel very truly that both of these questions are open questions. And that, to me is the greatest illustration of why in this area of our lives we have no confidence for the simple reason that we have no place to put our feet. We have no idea of some of the most basic and fundamental ideas of the reality in which we exist. So why on earth would our feet be on the ground? At any given point, we might, we're just floating in an ether of unknown chaos. If we cannot walk in a defined direction, from a defined foundation, how on earth are we supposed to be secure? See, and this is the thing that the modern world is breaking down as far as our perception of ourselves and the real world. They are breaking down our sense of security. Just take, for example, how much, what is the term, catastrophizing has become popular in our day. If, for example, you question for a moment the fact that a young woman believes that now she is a man, or 
you want to question the value of the welfare system. And many questions of like manner, typically on the political left. You're not just going to be going to incite anger and anxiety. You're probably going to incite things like threats of suicide, threats of violence, threats of character assassination, or perhaps just the act of character assassination, which, if you remember in previous podcasts, I point out is specifically going against the commandment to not bear false witness against your neighbor. The catastrophizing is essentially this idea that even if you question certain topics that really should be open for debate and conversation, then it is essentially believed deep down that you are doing some sort of literal harm. Otherwise, why would violence be the almost immediate counteraction? We don't just want to live, many many in our society, in a chaotic ether. We want so much to stay in it that we will become violent, belligerent, anxious, and horrible if anyone attempts to try to put us on solid ground. And with this being the current cultural war, how on earth, once again, can anyone be expected to be walking in any defined direction in the real world. Part of our very society is trying to pull us into the air, into clouds, to walk on nothing but vapor. And expect that we're going to be okay, expect that we're going to feel secure. Security does not come from this sense of freedom that they try to define Freedom is not that. There's not just freedom from, there's freedom to. But I'm getting a little bit beyond myself, or beyond the debate. If they insist on this kind of a reality, we have, at ground level, no reality. We have no solid ground for our feet. We have no direction, and we have nowhere we're coming from. How could we expect to be firmly grounded in reality? Absolutely not. Now, of course, if you are talking to perhaps a more conservative crowd, religious crowd, philosophically sound crowd, you will probably find some people who do actually have their feet on the ground. But unfortunately, in the modern day, that is the exception rather than the norm. But this is the way, the two ways so far that I would answer someone's question as to how can I become confident. The first is to become competent and be fully aware of your competence. Don't go with this whole, this silly idea of humility being self-deprecation and denying any skill that you actually do have. Even when it comes to your natural talents, you need to sharpen them. You need to keep up what you are able to do. And it takes a great deal of work. Some people say around 20,000 hours of hard work to become truly an expert at anything. But in today's world, we want to just be able to become amazing at something within a few minutes. We're essentially extending the desires of our infancy and childhood into adulthood with the belief that all we need is five minutes work 
and we're going to be amazing at something. The fact of the matter is, to become truly good at it takes days and weeks and months and years of continuous work and effort and experience. So yes, become competent at something and know that you are competent at it, which might be quite a process and you might need to listen to your friends and mentors and bosses and so on to correct issues and errors and so on before you can really get there. And then on the second tier, you need to become firmly grounded in reality. And you need this not just for some religious reason, although I, I personally would include it, um, and not just for the sen- for being successful, but for having any direction or sense of where you're coming from or going in life as a whole. And that, again, is a very complicated, deep, and difficult thing to reach. It's going to take a great deal of work to get there. We're not born understanding everything about reality. We do not start out. Some of us have started out knowing more about reality than many adults today understand about reality because of all the propaganda and the literal fact that we are educated out of common sense. But again, though there are some things that we are more firmly grounded on in, in childhood, we don't just get everything at first. And of course, we most certainly do not get ourselves It's going to take a lot of work. It's going to take a lot of thinking and study and talking and forming relationships, frankly, in order to come to that place. None of us can be an island. We need to get the input of friends and family, people who are of character and are trustworthy in their opinions and how they see things. Not to say that they're always right, but to say that their opinions and their perspectives are always valuable. And it may take us a great deal of time to even recognize what it is to have character and therefore how to notice it and see it and identify it in others. It's quite a long journey, but I could tell you the work is worth the effort. So I have one final tier of confidence. And at this tier, I have to bring in, well, I will be bringing in essentially the religious. And for those who are not religious, um, there is a eh, somewhat of a substitute for essentially God in this sense. And it is foundational and universal philosophy. Or if you want to go into specific study, I would recommend universally preferable behavior by Stefan Molyneux. A universal and sound and objective philosophical and moral perspective can provide what I'm about to describe. This tier of confidence I define as having your sense of self founded in that which is eternal, good, and unchanging. Now, of course, for most of us, that answer is going to be God. For some, it will be a worthy substitute to go for universal philosophy and ethics and morality. But if we have this, if we are grounded, founded, anchored in that which is eternal, good, and unchanging, then we ultimately have that which feeds everything below it in this, in this area of confidence. You can pretty clearly see that if you are so founded and grounded and anchored, then your feet are going to be firmly planted on the ground in the sense of the second tier of confidence, And if you are so firmly grounded in reality, 
then quite clearly you see the practicality of learning how to do good things. It's necessary but not sufficient to get to the point of competence. But if you submit to reality and recognize that it does take a great deal of work, again, 20,000 hours to become an expert at anything, then it will be worthwhile in your, thought, if, in your mind to do the work. Clearly, obviously. But if you are firmly grounded in the good and eternal and unchanging, then what reason have you in the grand scheme of things to be thrown off balance? What can people do to you to throw you off, to get you out of your element? See, if you are not depending merely on yourself, but on something higher than yourself, then for you to be thrown off, which can in the moments still happen, does not throw you off foundationally, does not completely ruin who you are. There are so many people out there today who are not founded on this, but they try to act as if they are. And the moment you take them out of their element, they lose their wits. They might once again become angry, belligerent, anxious, lose control of themselves. And this to me is one of the firmest indications that they do not have themselves grounded in that which is eternal good and unchanging. Why? Because those who are, once again, if you take them out of their element, if you remove them from their area of confidence, they may be uneasy and a little bit anxious, granted, not necessarily have the greatest time in their lives, but they don't feel as if the bottom has completely dropped out because they are founded in that which cannot be so dropped out. It cannot be removed from them by the very definition. Now, it's hard to go into a great deal of detail on this third tier of confidence, but I think it can be pre I think it's fairly intuitive as to why it is the deepest and most steady and sturdy form of confidence. If you really have yourself grounded in it, you can't foundationally and fundamentally be taken out of it. And what this produces, in my opinion, is joy. Why would it produce joy? Because if you cannot foundationally and fundamentally be taken out of your element, taken out of yourself, if you never come to the point where the foundation of who you are can even be tapped, because it is secure in the eternal good and unchanging, then why would you ever be utterly devastated? Why would you ever be utterly undone? Now, I think all of us, frankly, need to be, in a sense, undone to get to this point. But once you're there, being undone in the same way again, impossible. And if it does happen again, I would posit that that is simply proof that you're not quite there yet. And that's fine. Admit that and try again. Figure out what it is that you should and you can put your confidence in at that foundational level. 
And your outer confidence cannot ultimately be removed. So that's all I had on my mind today. I'll talk to you guys next time.